Aloha from San Diego. Hello, my pineapples, and happy Aloha Friday. My name is C.T. McGee, and I am the Aloha Guru, and welcome to Episode 7. Did you know that today is also Juneteenth? In today's episode, I'll talk about Juneteenth, how to debate with others on social media, and I'll share my opinions on the KKK. Should they stay or should they go? So come on back. Welcome back, my pineapples, and happy Juneteenth. So what is Juneteenth, you ask? Well, believe it or not, this day has been going on for years, and I'm just finding out about it this week. How is that possible? So the word Juneteenth is a combination of two other words, June and 19. June 19 is annually recognized as a state holiday or a special day to observe and commemorate the end of slavery in America. Juneteenth is also known as Freedom Day, Emancipation Day, and Juneteenth Independence Day. Here's a little background history for you. In the year 1863, during the American Civil War, President Abraham Lincoln issued an executive order called the Emancipation Proclamation, which declared more than 3 million slaves living in the Confederate States to be free. But did you know it took another two and a half years before the news reached Texas? It wasn't until the Union soldiers finally arrived in Galveston, Texas on June 19, 1865, that Texans learned that slavery had been abolished. Since then, the state celebrates with prayer, feasting, song, and dance. Then, fast forward to the year 1980, so well over 100 years later, Juneteenth officially became a state holiday in Texas, and soon after, other states start following suit. Fast forward to today, 47 out of the 50 states now observe Juneteenth, and activists are pushing it to make it a national holiday not only to recognize the end of slavery, but also to celebrate the culture and achievements of African-Americans. So all across America, people are celebrating with picnics, barbecues, block parties, poetry readings, music, and dance. But that's not all. According to the New York Post this week, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo signed an executive order recognizing June 19 as a paid holiday for his state employees, and he said that he would propose legislation to make it a permanent state holiday. Also, private companies have started to designate Juneteenth as a paid company holiday. Here's a little rundown of some of the companies proposing to promise Juneteenth, according to NBC. Best Buy announced employees will be offered, quote, a paid volunteer day for today. And in 2021, it will become a formal paid company holiday. Target will now pay their hourly employees time and a half for working today. But starting next year, they will recognize Juneteenth as a company holiday. JCPenney told their staffers that Juneteenth will be considered an annual holiday for workers. Lyft said that Juneteenth will be considered a company-wide holiday effective today, while Uber employees will be given a paid day off. Nike will make Juneteenth an annual paid holiday, and the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodall, said that Juneteenth will be considered a league holiday. Wow, this is just the beginning. Doesn't this all sound like positive movement? Doesn't this sound like progress? These actions prove that we are starting to have more meaningful dialogue about racial equality and that we're trying to make attempts to promote better race relations. These actions also show that Americans are starting to listen, acknowledge, and seek understanding. You know, the abolitionist movement was not only intended to end the practice of slavery. 
I believe it was also a movement toward racial equality. It was an act of humanity. To keep that intention alive and to continue the movement forward, it's important to acknowledge how far we've come and how much farther we have yet to go. By observing, honoring, and celebrating Juneteenth, we are honoring a moment in our nation's yesterdays that have forever changed our tomorrows. I think we owe it to President Abraham Lincoln and to the slaves who have served our great nation to show that we have the love, kindness, and compassion to evolve as Americans. I also believe we owe it to them to show that we can come together as a diverse nation of people whose common goal is to protect the freedoms afforded to us so that we may all equally pursue lives of happiness and success. I also think it's important to honor the big moments in our lives. We must make these moments count. It's just as important to honor the big moments in our history that have not only shaped our lives as we know them today, but also for years to come. When we come back, I'm going to talk about how having debates on social media with your friends or family and my opinions on the KKK. So come on back. So my pineapples, something interesting happened this week. On Facebook, one of my high school classmates posted an article from Newsweek. And in this article was a story about a man in Wisconsin who was seen walking his dog down a road wearing a Ku Klux Klan robe and hood. At least three different local residents called into the sheriff's station to report seeing this man. And images of him went viral on the internet. In response, the local sheriff said that the man seen in the KKK robe and hood should not have upset anyone because no crime was committed. In a statement later provided to Newsweek, he further said that while they were not able to take enforcement against this man, the department does not condone his behavior or actions. Meanwhile, here, right in San Diego, a police department also said that there were no grounds to prosecute a man who wore a KKK hood while shopping for his groceries, as it was, quote, not intended to be a racial statement. This man was photographed wearing a pointed white hood similar to that worn by the KKK at a Vaughn store just one day after San Diego imposed the health order requiring everyone to cover their faces when entering a place of business to help stop the spread of COVID-19. The article also quoted Gregory Jones. He's the president of Dane County NAACP in Wisconsin, and he was interviewed by the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. But this interview was included in this Newsweek article. In response to the man walking around in the KKK robe, this is what he says. Jones accused him of committing, quote, a terrorist act just by walking down the road in a full KKK robe. So he's saying just by walking around in a KKK robe, he is committing a terrorist act. In this article, he is quoted as saying that this man intended to project what I believe to be white supremacist behaviors by wearing this garb. He further said, it is intended to create fear among people even people who are not of color. Also in this article, Newsweek also stated that millions of people have signed online petitions demanding that the KKK be classed as a terrorist group or made illegal. Currently, the KKK is classified as a domestic extremist group as there is no definition for domestic terrorism organizations in the U.S. So, some food for thought. So this article is what prompted a healthy debate among some of my high school classmates. I will admit that at first, while I was reading them, I was in complete agreement with one classmate. 
She's an elementary school teacher and a former Peace Corps volunteer. And she matter-of-factly and calmly stated that by no means does she agree with this group. But she did say that technically aren't they protected by the First Amendment? And she believes that we need to protect the First Amendment for the sake of everyone. In other words, she doesn't think having the KKK around is right, but she does understand that they have a right to be here. So naturally, there were other classmates who agreed with her, pretty much saying the same thing that, yes, it's legal, but, you know, boy, does it sound wrong. <laughs> Classmate number two, just like the NAACP guy, believed that just by walking around in their robes or hoods, the KKK represents hatred for and lynching of black people and that that's wrong. In fact, she said that she agreed with the First Amendment rights and understands the ACLU support of their right to protest. However, this guy did not wear it in a group march. It was a person intentionally creating an environment of fear among unsuspecting people, is what she said. She says it's like screaming fire in a crowded theater, and that freedom of speech is not allowed. She added that she believes that the First Amendment does not protect hate speech and threats in various forms. Therefore, she didn't believe it was legal. Classmate number three agreed. She said, I believe that threatening speech is not protected. And since the First Agreement, um, First Amendment also covers other forms of expression, the outfit could be seen as a threat, though nonverbal. Now, a fourth classmate jumped in to this particular conversation and said that wearing that hood was literally to incite something or to create a debate. Still, in this country, he can legally do that. I also don't agree, and I'm not a racist on any level, but this quote, freedom of expression, has to go both ways, I think. Then a fifth classmate jumped on board and said, I think that people forgot somewhere that with freedom comes responsibility. You are not free of the consequences after yelling bomb on a plane or fire in a movie theater. It obviously causes a panic. And if I were to walk down a street and see a few hooded men, I probably would panic and my fight or flight instincts would kick in. This particular classmate is part white, part black, and part Latino. The others are all white. Okay, so first, let's talk about how this debate was handled online. Number one, I first want to say that I was really proud of the way my classmates were able to voice their opinions and openly discuss and ask meaningful questions regarding the KKK and our First Amendment rights without using profanity, without name calling, and without pushing each other around. I don't always see that. I see a lot of fighting on Facebook. They each offered their viewpoints and they each added something valuable to the conversation. They all had valuable input and valuable insight. And I really appreciated that. I actually learned a lot just by reading their comments. But number two, here's something I didn't mention. I'm going to mention it now. One of the classmates wanted to respond to the article with her opinion on this manner, but before she did, this is what she said. Can I be honest without being blasted? I am so struggling with this. It is 100% deplorable, and I 100% agree about reform and change. I have been working for it since high school, through college, the Peace Corps, as a teacher, but what about the First Amendment? We are that country, the ability to agree to disagree. I have been to the counties where that doesn't exist, or she's been to countries where that doesn't exist. Again, I don't think it is right, moral, ethical, good, etc. But I'm afraid of losing that First Amendment right. Please, please, please don't curse me or call me names. Educate me on how to make what they are doing is wrong without taking away my civil rights. Do you hear the concern in her voice? 
Do you hear her concern about being blasted, about being cursed, or about being called names for sharing her honest opinion? This spoke volumes to me. This is a grown woman, an educated woman. This woman has traveled the world, and yet she was afraid of being attacked online by our classmates. And this is the current state of affairs on social media. And it has been for some time, say at least the last four years or so. Since President Trump became president, I've seen a lot of sharp change in the way people address and interact with each other in social media and how they discuss matters on social media, especially with regards to politics. It has gotten ugly. I'm embarrassed to say that we are all adults, mostly in our 40s, but the way some of us have handled themselves online is unacceptable. We should be able to ask questions. We should be able to state our opinions. We should be able to have meaningful conversations and to educate and learn from each other without the fear of verbal assault. If we're looking to build peaceful relations among each other in the real world and teach our children how to do the same, then we first and foremost need to learn how to communicate in a calm, peaceful, respectful manner. I understand that politics and sensitive subject matters like racial equality and gender equality are hot buttons for people. So here are a few points for you to remember. Number one, if it's too hot in the kitchen, get out. Listen, there is a time and a place for everything. Practice sound judgment. If certain topics or discussions are just too hot for you to handle, or if you start feeling like you will not be able to control yourself or your emotions, or if having a discussion that promotes understanding, respect, and positivity is not going to work for you, then it's not for you. Do not engage. Scroll, scroll, scroll away. We have enough to deal with today. Facebook was meant to build social connections, which means to bring people closer together. But name-calling, profanity, aggressiveness, and yelling or belittling each other does not bring people closer together. If you truly want a political debate, where maybe that behavior is condoned, perhaps consider making a separate page with that specific purpose in mind. Then invite those people who you know are up for that kind of debate. And then include some rules of engagement so that everyone knows what they're getting into. In the meantime, it leaves your personal Facebook feed for people to continue to learn all about you, your family, celebrate your good news, celebrate your most positive moments in your life. Keep them separate. Maybe. This is just a recommendation for being able to debate and discuss topics that matter to you while maintaining your dignity and respect for others. Just a thought. Number two. If this advice sounds a little too la-la for you, then maybe that's a sign that you're not meant to debate online. When you blast someone who's given their honest opinion in a respectful manner, then it just makes you look bad if you don't extend the same courtesy. Being or sounding like a bully is the exact opposite of what we're trying to accomplish as, quote, friends on Facebook. I mean, is that how you talk to your friends? I see all the time people making disclaimers that if they can't handle what their beliefs are, then go unfriend yourself. I myself have had to delete comments or unfriend or even block people who have used my personal feed for their negative comments, their unhealthy behaviors, or their ugly agendas. I do not condone negativity or hate at all on my feed. Talk about practicing the First Amendment. Yes, you are allowed to say what you want to say. How lucky for us. But how you choose to channel your voice comes with consequences. Be responsible. Number three, 
Think twice before you speak or respond on social media. I always revert back to the famous Maya Angelou quote about how people might forget what you said or people might forget what you did, but people will never forget the way you made them feel. More than likely, it's okay what you said, but how you said it is what people will walk away feeling. No one wants to feel like they were yelled at or scolded in front of others. No one wants to feel pushed around or even badmouthed. No one should be made to feel inferior or bullied. Remember, your kids are learning from you. Even if you think that they won't see it, they could hear about it from someone else. Which brings us to number four. Be mindful of your audience. Remember who's watching and who is listening. Who are your friends with on Facebook? Are your kids on there? Are your nieces or nephews? How about the kids you used to coach or teach or volunteer with? How about the parents of the kids you used to coach or teach or volunteer with? How about the parents of the friends of your kids? Are your business colleagues on there? Do you have clients or people who have purchased your services in the past on your Facebook? Ask yourself, would I say this in front of my child? Would I say this to my mother-in-law? What about a business colleague? Once you put it out there and people see it, people will remember, even if you delete it. Maybe it doesn't matter to you what your friends or family think, but no one wants to see their friends or family get ripped apart from entering a healthy discussion with you. So remember that. And number five, agree to disagree. Hey, it's okay to have different opinions. And of course, it's okay to debate topics that matter to you, but find a way to talk and listen to each other despite them. So get in the habit of saying things like, I think this and here's why. I believe this and here's why. What do you think? Don't make it personal. Ask meaningful questions, but drop the sarcastic or condescending tone. Be respectful and acknowledge viewpoints when possible. You can say, I understand what you're saying, but I disagree on this point and here's why. Or I understand what you're saying when you say this, but that has not been my experience. Or I just see it differently. Using language like this shows that you're listening and learning and not just wanting to hear yourself talk and air your own agenda. Lastly, try to end your conversation on a positive note. Maybe say, hey, it's been great talking to you. Thanks for sharing your viewpoint or teaching me about blah, blah, blah. I learned something today. Thanks for joining me in this debate or discussion. Say something to show you enjoyed the conversation, the topic, and the opportunity to air your opinions with someone who is willing to engage with you. This opens the door for more discussions later. This also helps people feel safer. And number six, mind your words. Your words can bring fire, which can scorch others, burn bridges, and melt relationships, or they can bring the water. They can bring water to nurture your growth and the growth of others so that we can all blossom in our own unique ways. Use your voice as a tool and not as a weapon. Tools are meant to build. Tools mend and create progress in our lives. Tools make things work. Weapons don't. Weapons damage. Weapons destroy, disintegrate, and create enemies. So you decide, my pineapples, how do you want to use your words? What is your goal? When we come back, I'm going to share my opinions on the KKK, and I'm also going to share some of my own personal life story and how I arrived to my opinion. So come on back. Okay, my pineapples. So 
When I read the article and the comments by my classmates, I thought that they all made really good points. I actually learned a lot just by reading their comments. So I guess when it comes down to it, I had to think about it. What if I saw these hooded men coming toward me in the street? How would I feel? And you know what? Even I would panic. I would be scared. I would not anticipate anything good coming out of a hooded man or men walking my way. And here's why. As you might recall from some of my other episodes, I am half white and half Filipino. My father is white American and my mother is Filipino and I was born in the Philippines. I was raised in America, but I'm considered biracial or mixed race. After the Vietnam War ended, my mom and I left the Philippines for America. This was the land of hope and dreams. My mom was so excited about coming here and starting life all over to a place where that promised a lot of opportunities for us. But instead of being openly welcomed, she instead had to deal with years of hate. In fact, my dad would get beat up at bars if they went out on the weekends because people mistook my mom for the Vietnamese. They accused my dad of bringing home the Viet Cong, the enemy. The war was over. Even at her factory job, people were always harassing her and calling her offensive names. So how do you think this affected her? She was anxious, afraid, angry, disappointed, hurt, confused, bitter, and resentful. And where do you think that energy went? I want you to understand that there is a trickle-down effect. Any stress, fear, doubt, anxiety, uncertainty, or pain that you feel can and will trickle down to your children. And this was the environment I grew up in. The effects that it had on my mom, she then definitely channeled to me. As an empath, even at a young age, I can feel the energy from others. Even if I don't understand the feelings or what promoted those feelings, I still take on their energies. So I have only known stress and anxiety my whole life. And racial tension was a huge part of that. So from the get-go, all I knew was to be defensive, scared, anxious, and worried about my own nationality. I worried from one day, you know, day one, how would people perceive me? Would they accept me? What do they think of me? Will they like me? I gave up my power before I even knew I had it. My brothers were called monkeys as kids. They were called spicks as adults. I've been called a gook and a chink. You know, how do you think this made us feel? How are we supposed to feel good about ourselves when we didn't feel like we belonged, when we were called names? I remember with every guy I dated, I even remember the number one thing I had in my mind was, would his parents accept me? Am I white enough? Because I knew for a fact that my own mother was not accepted by my American family at first either. In fact, she had a baby with a guy in the army before she met my dad, and his parents forbade him from marrying my mom because they considered her a third world peasant. So when she moved on and met my dad and came to America, well, guess what? My American grandfather did not accept her in the beginning either. That was really hard on her. Can you imagine that being you? So her whole life, all she did were things to feel accepted, to be liked, and to feel safe. So what do you think she taught me? I was raised not to make a fuss or to ruffle any feathers. Like I was just told to just try to blend in. But because my looks didn't allow me exactly to blend in, I just kind of learned to keep quiet. I didn't want to stand out any more than I already did. I didn't want to be a target like my parents were. 
So from the get-go, I never felt good about who I was. I mean, if your own parents are being verbally, mentally, and physically abused, what did that mean for me? I grew up just as anxious, afraid, and feeling like I didn't belong, like I wasn't liked, and that I wasn't accepted. That damaged all sense of self-worth, self-esteem, and self-love for me. This took hold of me at such an early age that I developed years of conditioned thinking and behaving where I just never felt like I was good enough to even be in this country. So now, because of my looks, I never know how people would perceive me because I've gotten everything under the sun, including, are you part black? So yeah, if I ran into the KKK, I might be a little worried because especially when I got tan, I could pass for being part black. So ask me, how do I feel about the KKK? Number one, I would be worried. I would be panicked. I don't know if they would harass me. Number two, I would feel anxious, worried and concerned if I saw them coming my way. There it is. I wouldn't feel comfortable. Now, think about it. I mean, what good can come from seeing anyone in a hood or a ski mask coming your way? I mean, if it's not Halloween, don't you consider that person dangerous? If you're at a bank and a masked man walked in or a hooded man walked in, what do you think is about to happen? Wouldn't you feel threatened? Of course you would. Would you feel fear? Of course you would. So then I thought about the group as a whole and the points made in this debate. And here's where I stand. In order to make room for more hope, love, kindness, compassion, empathy, equality, and inclusion in our country, we need to remove all sources of hate. Which brings me to the KKK. Isn't this a group with a history of hating people? They're anti-Catholic, anti-Jew, anti-white Republican, anti-organized labor, and anti-African American. They are known for being a hate group. Yet hate crimes are not tolerated in this country. So why would we allow this group to even continue to exist, even if they haven't done anything? Why are they a group to begin with then? What is their goal, right? So in this debate, everyone agreed that there's something really wrong about having this group still around. Yes, it's legal, but is it right? If it's totally not right, and in the context of today, maybe this is one place where we can start to make a difference in the conversations about race relations and in what we do about them. Hate crimes are illegal. So why allow the existence of a hate group? If we can't even say the word bomb at an airport, and if we have to remind our kids that, then what do we say to our kids when they see a man in a KKK outfit? What do we say about what he represents? Here's another point. Do you remember growing up for Halloween and dressing up as cowboys and Indians, or even playing in the yard as cowboys and Indians? The Native American Indians are definitely a part of our history and our culture, and they've been widely depicted in TV shows and movies. But today, kids are not allowed to dress up like Native American Indians in school because it's considered offensive. So on Halloween, you are not allowed to dress as a Native American Indian. In fact, are you familiar with the TV show Westworld? A few years ago, my brother and his buddy dressed up as members of Ghost Nation in the TV show Westworld. Ghost Nation represented a fictional Native American people as Indians or bloodthirsty savages. But it was just a TV show. Yet people blasted them for wearing these costumes. They were not, but they were not wearing them to be offensive. It was in the spirit of Halloween and in the spirit of one of their favorite TV shows. Here's another point. If a group of men beat up 
a gay man. That's considered a hate crime, regardless if they had on a special outfit or costume to go with their behavior, right? Yet it is common knowledge that the KKK uses this costume to intimidate, to provoke fear, and to represent hate. And isn't it interesting that they are choosing to hide themselves in doing so? Like they weren't afraid to burn down a school or, or someone's home or to lynch a man, but they also didn't want you to know who did it. That's kind of beyond me, to be honest. Their actions created fear and anxiety, so why wouldn't people feel threatened when they saw a man in a KKK costume, when that's what it represents? The fact that people called the police at all in Wisconsin on this man who was walking his dog in a KKK outfit, that should say something. They were afraid. They didn't feel safe, and they were looking out for others. That's a good thing. But now the year is 2020. We need to move forward. 2020 means having good vision. We need to exercise good vision here. What are we doing to make each other feel safe? What are we doing to make each other feel supported, respected, and accepted? What are we doing to help make everyone feel like we all deserve to belong? And what are we doing to promote self-love, self-worth, and self-esteem in our youth? Does having the KKK around suit our goals and missions now? Just because something is legal doesn't make it right. And if something isn't right, shouldn't we evaluate it? And shouldn't we do something about it to make it right? What would it take for us to make things right? How do we make our relationships right? How do we make our country right? I think we need to look at every source of hate in this country and dismantle them. I think that's where we could start. No one should have to feel afraid of any particular group or gang in this country. We need to be the example for our children who are our leaders of tomorrow. We cannot disappoint them. They're counting on us. We need to get with the times and change the laws in order to make progress. Therefore, we can improve our relations in this country and move forward by first removing groups who promote hate and discrimination. Groups like the KKK do not fit or support our goals and missions to create a more loving, kind, peaceful world for ourselves and for our children. At the root of self-love is feeling like you fit in, feeling a sense of belonging, and feeling accepted. When you remove sources of hate, we make room for more love and light. And that is when true growth happens in ourselves and in our understanding and relationships with others. And when we grow as individuals, we grow as communities. And when we grow as communities, we grow as a nation. From San Diego, peace, love, and aloha. Thank you.